This is Chuck Huber, and you're listening to the Temple of Geek podcast. Don't be an idiot. Listen all the time. Enjoy the show. Beaming at you from the depths of the internet. This is the Temple of Geek podcast. Your one stop for all things geek. All things geek. You are listening to the Temple of Geek Toddcast, the only podcast that is rated over 9,000 on the Satan Scouter. I am your host, Daniel, and on this week's episode, Marcus and I get to speak with the one and only Chuck Huber. So let me introduce you to our guest, Chuck Huber. Thank you for joining us on this episode. Hi, thanks for having me out. It's good to be here. Man, it's awesome <laughs> that you're joining us today. I'm it's so excited about this. <laughs> Oh, good. Uh, yeah, Emperor Pinoff is here, too. He's so happy to be here. Oh. <laughs> uh, do you have the Dragon Balls? Will you be my girlfriend? <laughs> this is so awesome. <laughs> so, Marcus and I got the chance to meet you at the uh, Amazing Houston convention this, this year. Um, yeah, that's a, great, that's a great con. Jimmy J runs really good conventions, man. All the amazing cons are really fun. Do, do you attend all of them? Uh, not all of them. I had to skip Oklahoma because, oh, tears, I was in New Zealand and Australia. Um, or actually, Oklahoma's coming up and we're someplace else. There was another amazing one we skipped. We missed Amazing Hawaii, which uh, by all accounts was incredible. So, uh, wow. yeah, all the amazing shows are pretty pretty outstanding. Well, I think if I had my choice between New Zealand and Oklahoma, I'd probably choose New Zealand. New Zealand. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> I think that's a good idea. <laughs> how, how many conventions do you attend each year? Um, since uh, about the past two years, I've been doing it uh, almost exclusively, so maybe 30 or 40, and Jessica and I are about to start trimming that back as we move into sort of other phases of our artistic careers. She just had a showing at the Disney Pop Gallery in downtown Disney, and um, I've got a couple of uh, film and TV things happening. I've got uh, a movie that I made that got distribution, and then I'm on season two of American Crime. So some of the other film stuff is going to start taking uh, a little bit more uh, priority in my life, which will let me not travel so much, which is nice. But then the conventions I do go to will be awesome because I'll be so happy to be back in the con scene because it is truly one of my favorite things I do uh, associated with my career is get to go out and, you know, sit at the table for eight hours and meet fans all day long. And, you know, you hear amazing stories. One of the best was uh, just at this last convention I was at Yomacon in Detroit. This girl, she was maybe 23, 24, came up to the table and she, you could hear her trying to get the words out. And she pointed to a Hiei print. Uh, uh, I did a character named Hiei from Yu Yu Hakusho. She's pointing to the Hiei print and she kind of tried to say that she want one, and then I was like, it was loud, and I'm kind of getting older, and I went to Lollapalooza at Front Row Center, so I'm losing hearing in my left ear, and and so I kind of went, what? What do you need? And she pointed to it, and then I looked up at her, and she had these globs of tears rolling down her face, and I was like, oh my gosh, what is going on? And she said, um my dad really wanted your autograph, but he died two weeks ago. Oh, man. And so, like, I got out from behind the table and gave her a big hug, and we just sat there and cried for a little bit. So, like, you don't get that experience on a film set. You don't get that experience uh, doing television. You don't get that experience even doing, typically, even doing theater. There's something about the anime crowd 
or the Star Trek crowd that lends itself to these really deep connections and deep uh, personalizations that they attach to you, and then you get to be the conduit for that emotion for that time being. But I don't know. That was that was a pretty powerful experience from this last convention, and typically there's one or two of those per convention. So it, they are my favorite things to do, but I am going to have to start trimming back because I need to do more movies. <laughs> <laughs> you definitely seem like you have like a blast on those. And like, uh, I mean, we we met you over there at Amazing Houston, and like <laughs> you're like grabbing people's phones and taking selfies. <laughs> oh yeah, I am the you know, like, I am the totally selfie master, man. I I know how to <laughs> selfie like it's nobody's business. I mean. Uh, uh, I can I can completely uh, I've got a whole selfie routine down now, man. If you go on if you on the inter, in the interwebs and look at my Facebook feed, like like I have these I, I'm like a I don't know I'm a selfie ninja. I've got like seven <laughs> different selfies I can accomplish within like a two minute period. <laughs> That's awesome. That's, it really is. It's a lot of fun. I like it because I'm a. I'm a photographer. I started out as a photographer with like a Pentax ME Super back in seventh grade, back when it was still film. And then I shot my first uh, feature on a Canon 7D, and I have a Canon 60D, and I still shoot stuff on that. So like I enjoy taking pictures. So to have a job where part of it is to try to take interesting pictures, I just make that part of my like, because creative people are always trying to be creative. And if you're in a job that, requires repetition. You try to make that repetition as creative as possible, and that's what I do. It makes it, because if it's fun for me, it's fun for the fans, and that's that's the whole point, is that Absolutely. I need to be enjoying myself while doing it, yeah. Well, how did you get started in acting? Um, you know, we started acting around the dinner table whenever the phone would ring, and this is back in the old days when there was one phone, and it was, you know, attached by this long cord, and you had to hide in the pantry if you wanted to talk to your girlfriend, but if the phone... Yeah, right? If the phone ever rang during dinner time, it was uh, our job as children to get up and try to beat, because I had three older brothers and a younger sister, so you'd try to beat each other to the phone to answer it, uh, you know, comically, like, hello, we are so glad you called. What can we do? For, you know, oh my goodness, you have called up Pooh's Pizza. How can I help you? you know, so it was always about different sort of accents or dialects uh, to be goofy on the phone. Um, and I never realized it till later on in life that the first acting I ever did was voice acting because it was on the phone. It was prank calls and answering, you know, goofy it, it, with goofy voices. So uh, that's what we started with. And then after that, we went on to like puppet shows. I remember my brother John and I used to do these uh, every Christmas. We got these elf ornaments out. We used to hang them by strings over the banister uh, by the stairs and do these elf puppet shows for my sister, Katie, and they, the elves would fly. But, and that, too, was a voiceover gig because it's puppets. Um, and then we, you know, in school I did acting, and then in high school I did acting and competed in all the sort of, like, forensic drama tournaments, the National Forensic League, and went to nationals. That was the first time I ever performed in front of a large crowd. It was me performing by myself in front of 4,000 people which is quite an experience. Um, and then went on to school at DePaul University in Chicago and then graduated from there. Or I didn't graduate. I actually quit to work at the Steppenwolf Theater and then the Goodman Theater and a bunch of different theaters in Chicago. And then went back to finish my degree and um, just kind of kept working from there. And then we 
moved to Texas because Chicago was expensive and not the best place to raise a family, and I kind of wanted to start a theater company. And midway through that process of doing the theater company, Brad Jackson came into rehearsals one day, and he was like, you should go audition for this Dragon Balls thing. And I was like, <laughs> Dragon Balls? That sounds like pornography. <laughs> And he's like, it's not <laughs> pornography. It's it's Japanese anime. And I'm like, then it's definitely pornography. <laughs> and he was like, no, no, it's totally cool. And then I auditioned for it, and I didn't think it was legit when I auditioned for it, but because it was weird. It was, hey, my name's Chris Savage. Come into this room and audition for stuff. And I was like, okay. And uh, I did, and I didn't. I didn't really think it was a real like project. And little did I know that it would turn out to be one of the you know most important. Uh, you know, pieces of my career. <laughs> That's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> so kind of funny. <laughs> um, so, like, what what makes you determine like how a character is going to sound? You know, I usually start physically. Well, no, first we start with listening to the Japanese because the Japanese will give you sort of the spirit of the character, and it's a Japanese art right. form. And the Japanese make the stories, and they they craft the characters to begin with. And we try to be faithful to the spirit of whatever the Japanese have done. Uh, and you can't like imitate the Japanese. Japanese um, inflection and voices are different from Western inflection mm -hmm. and voices. But you gotta try to grab the spirit of the character, and, and um, you know you start with that, and then I, I move physically. You know, if a character is big. I feel it in a large way. And, you know, if the character is, oh, I'm Emperor P oh. uh, Actually, <laughs> Emperor Pilaf's voice came because I tried to imitate. Um, it, it was basically my best imitation of Edith Bunker from All in the Family, which is an old sitcom. <laughs> oh, Archie. Oh, oh hello. Oh, wow. I'm Emperor Pilaf. So it was really, Emperor Pelops really a 60-year-old woman from Queens. But, uh, you know, so uh, you, can, you can imitate other people and, and do it poorly and take that as original characters. I, I tend to physicalize, and that brings the voice out. And, and that's basically my process. How many, how many characters' voices have you done over your career? All of them. <laughs> uh, no, probably several hundred uh I don't know. Fans come up to the table, and I have no idea. Like a lot of the times, they're like, "You did this character and this thing, and it was amazing." And I'm like, "I, I honestly don't remember." I've been doing it for so long. I look at my IMDb, and I've this ago, and I was like, "Wow, he's done so much." <laughs> <laughs> We've been doing it for a little while, and it never stops. It seemingly never stops. So I mean. Um, I do, I do, I like to do different voices, I like to do different dialects, um, so I'm, I'm pretty consistently moving my voice through different, as a matter of fact, today I took Juno to Central Market to go shopping, and I, I happened to be Irish the whole time, I don't know why, it's just shopping through <laughs> Central Market, I was Irish the whole time, it makes people treat you a little different, they're like, oh, and they get to have a little bit of an experience at the, at the store, they're like, oh, there was this Irish guy with this really cute blonde daughter, and I'm, you know... <laughs> I'm not really Irish, so. You know, Mark, Marcus and I were joking around earlier today. We're like, when you go into the, your, inter, your inter, interview for your job and stuff, do you just say, look at my IMDb page? Or <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, when it comes to auditioning for acting, that's the that's one of the that's probably the hardest part about acting is that uh, to some extent they care about 
what you've done, but when you go into the audition, it's really just about the audition. So, like, I auditioned, yeah, I auditioned for um, a show for Sonny Strait just yesterday, and he goes, man, I hate auditions because there's so many good people for every single role that you just know you're going to have to disappoint people. And I'm like, yeah, no, but, you know, we keep showing up, and eventually you're the product that month, and you end up in the role, but... Yeah, you know, you just you you always have to you always have to prove yourself every single time. In Dragon Ball, you voice Emperor Pilaf and Android Seventeen. Yeah, Out of the two, and I'm sure others. Master Shen, um, Mister Shu, Kabito. Kabito is one of them. Yes, but uh, no. of Android Seventeen and Emperor Pilaf and Garlic Junior. I'm gonna watch that one for the dead zone. Um, what was your question? Sorry, I interrupted you. Oh, you're fine. Who who are your favorites out of those? Like, who, who's the um, one that you enjoy doing the most? Uh, Android 17 was a voice actor vacation. I got to just sort of sit there and not really work very hard. <laughs> and then kill people. Uh, and he was kind of just a general dick. I mean, yeah. <laughs> if we're being honest, Android 17 was the biggest dick of all the, the sort of bad guys in Android 17, uh, in uh, Dragon Ball Z. He was, he was kind of just a giant jerk. And I like that like about the coolest, him. though. <laughs> yeah, he was very, very like, you know, I, I can do this, and whatever. Humans yeah. are stupid. <laughs> so, um, <clears throat> so do you know if you are um, going to be doing the voicing for Dragon Ball Super and when that'll start? I do not know when it will start. I do not know. I assume one never likes to assume because it can make an ass off of you and me. <laughs> um, but the uh, I would like to assume that since I was in both movies as Emperor Pilaf, that I will be Emperor Pilaf again for Dragon Ball Super. But you never know. You know, the owner of Funimation could be like, my daughter makes a great Emperor Pilaf, and then you could be out of a job. It could be that simple. <laughs> And then all the fans revolt. <laughs> nah, there would be a slight revolt, and then people would get over it. That's always the case. <laughs> that's, the, that's the thing about being an actor is that unless you're, and probably even if you're George Clooney or Matt Damon, there's always someone who can replace you. You know, there's always something that can that can go in your play. You know, it's not like uh, there's no perfectly unique actor that needs to be used for. Every, well, maybe Chris Abbott and Sean Schimmel, but other than that. <laughs> awesome. What is your favorite or most memorable character that you've played? Uh, I like Hiei the best because I'd never been to a convention before Hiei, and I literally went from signing no autographs to signing autographs for four hours in a row. So it went from like, I don't, I'm just an actor, nobody knows who I am, to here's a line of four hours of people who are going to scream. Some of them will cry. When you do the voice, uh, one girl will faint and physically collapse, and you won't know what's happening, but you just have to keep signing autographs. And so for that reason, Hiei was pretty amazing because I went from being what I thought was just like, you know, I'm just a working actor, to suddenly was like, what? I have fans? I, I, I don't know what's happening. I really didn't know what was going on. Wow. Yeah. Uh, um, so does uh, so does voicing uh, a character for an anime like differ at all from voicing for a, like a video game? Yeah, anime uh, typically, you know, you always have the the pictures are already drawn, so you're matching to the flaps. A lot of times in video game in video games, you're just matching a certain time. 
So like you have to say the line within 1.5 seconds or 2.8 seconds or whatever it is. So you're not necessarily voicing. So you have a little bit more freedom in the read. Nice. Your voice is in a ton of anime. Uh, out of all the anime you've done, what, what's your probably your favorite? Uh, my favorite one I've done, Summer Wars, uh, the movie, was amazing. Um, I really like Mushishi, and I like uh, I liked Bacano a lot. Spice and Wolf is another one I really enjoyed. Um, Soul Eater is is a is an amazing anime. It's not yeah. exactly my cup of tea, but for uh, me, it was one of the first ones that I ever watched with me in it that didn't bother me because I was in it. A lot of times, I'll see an anime that I'm in, and I'll be like watching it and enjoying the story, and then my character come will come on the screen, and I'll be like, "Faker, he's faking it. That guy's a liar. <laughs> I can tell he's faking it. You know, and I, I don't like me because." You know, I can tell all my tricks as an actor. Wow, that, I mean, like that actually was going to be like our follow-up question was like, I'm sure like y your kids at some point have seen at least one of the shows that you had voiced in, and I was wondering if it was like weird or if it was sort of humbling to hear yourself voice a character. Uh, I I uh, showed Dragon Ball Z to my oldest, who's now 26, um, back in the day. And he, I said, you want to, let's watch this. This is this is my show. This is my thing. You should you should watch this. And so we sat down to watch it, and we were sitting there for a while. <laughs> Very like, slow moving show. He kind of looked at me, and he was like, Dad, this fight is taking so long. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, Okay, you're not gonna like DBZ then. If you don't want your fights to take a really long time, this is. <laughs> but he likes other anime, and he's like some of the stuff that I've been in. Well, switching gears to live acting, how did you get involved with Star Trek Continues? Uh, I've known Vic for years, and he always said he wanted to do STC with people that he, uh, you know, was friends with. And so uh, when it came time to do the vignettes, he uh, invited me on board. And then it came time to shoot episode one, and I was booked on a movie uh, produced by Tom Hanks. So I was like, ah, I'm sorry, I can't do episode one. And he hired uh, another um, Star Trek uh, sort of aficionado uh, 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 part of the Star Trek universe, Larry Nemechek, known as Dr. Trek, uh, knows more about Star Trek than almost anyone in the universe. Um, and then Larry, Larry filled in for the first two episodes, and then I came back in episode three. But yeah, uh, it was purely through anime, you know, because I'd known Vic through conventions. Nice. Um, so how did you know you wanted to do um, Dr. Litter McCoy? Uh, when when uh, uh, he uh, was looking at his friends, uh, Todd looks more like Spock, and I, I look more like McCoy. I mean, uh, Vic is technically older than me, but I look older than him. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Jerk. Uh, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I kind of have a little bit more gruff... Uh, and McCoy was always kind of more gruff, a little bit more uh, 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 plain-spoken, as it were, and I tend to be plain-spoken. How do you, how do you get um, in character for McCoy? Do you, do you watch any of the old series and try to emulate DeForest Kelly? Or? Yeah, you know, I started um, when, when, I, when Vic asked me to do it. I watched the entire series. Um, 
I think I watched the entire series in like three and a half days, and I lit uh, all all three seasons in like three and a half days. I just had it playing constantly, and it would be playing while I was doing dishes and playing while I was doing laundry, and it would be playing while I was doing everything. Um, and I just kind of let it soak into me, and then by the time you get on set. Uh, you know, Todd is so ensconced in his Spockness, and Vic is so, you know, sure of his Kirkness, and the writing is so much like Trek, and the sets are exactly as they were back in the day. And then, you know, I sort of came on, and it's like, well, it's like a little puzzle piece. I, it was the only way I could fit into it was to be McCoy, and um, that's kind of how I ended up finding him. So it's not so much an imitation or an homage. It's more like, well, that's that's the only way it's going to work because, you know, <laughs> it's it's Star Trek, you know, so you can't really, can't move away from it. You just kind of have to be there. Um, so do you prefer, uh, like, live acting or voice acting more? My preference, like, if I could have, if you said, Chuck, you can only do one type of acting for the rest of your life. It would be live stage Shakespeare for the rest of my life. Um, I, I love doing Shakespeare. It teaches you more about acting. It teaches you more about humanity. It is a physical, mental, emotional, psychological, and spiritual workout every time you get through the play. So it's a, uh, it's a, every time I've done Shakespeare, you feel like you're a better person for having done it. So I would do Shakespeare for the rest of my life. That's awesome. How many how many plays have you done? How many plays? Probably a couple hundred. <laughs> not a couple hundred. Probably close to a hundred. Maybe mm, let's see. What am I? Twenty four? Maybe three? Seventy? Probably seventy or eighty? Yeah, I'm probably closing in on a hundred. That's awesome. I didn't think you would choose like stage acting over you know like video acting and stuff. So that's that's kind of cool. Yeah, stage acting is really like um, when you're when you're trained in it. It's it's what you uh, I don't know. It's kind of what you gravitate back to. As a matter of fact, right now I'm trying to think of a one man show I can mount because I'm so busy that the only way for me to do any stage acting would be to create a one man show, do it by myself, rehearse it in the the you know dining room and then carry it with me to, you know, conventions and put it up in front of crowds at conventions, which is kind of what I'm looking to do now. I just haven't found the right um, script or the right idea. So if anyone has a great idea for a one-man show, feel free to find me on Facebook and tell me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Nice. Um, so what do you do when you're not acting? Um, I have a family, and I have Jessica, and we hang out at home, um, and we're homebodies, mostly. We don't like to go out very much. Uh, we're going out to a friend's wedding on Sunday, which is sort of a rare event for us to be going out. Um, yeah, when I'm not acting, we like to sit on the couch and not move. <laughs> we're, uh, we're watching Carnival right now, the HBO series Carnival. Uh, I'm playing Assassin's Creed Brotherhood, um, and I bake bread. I play pool. We have a pool table I bought off Craigslist uh, for 150 bucks, nice. and it was in pieces, and I had to put it together all by myself. 
Oh, wow. <laughs> from, like, YouTube videos, like, how do you put a pool table together? I was like, I hope I have all the pieces. Uh, so, you know, that's that's mostly what we do, and work out and, and eat food and bake bread. <laughs> some, some normal people stuff. <laughs> yeah, I skateboard behind my dog. I take yeah. him out for runs, and I skateboard behind him. That's fun, because I feel like a ninja. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. So I stumbled across this video of you on YouTube at the Space City Comic Con where oh, you were doing this Ghostbuster rap. What was that all about? <laughs> I don't know. I just memorized it back during Ghostbusters 2, and when you pack up, regroup, get a grip, come equipped, grab your proton pack and your back, and then split. All the while, <laughs> being all the master of evil, trying to battle my boys. That's not legal. Um, I don't know. Rap. I'm an old-school hip-hop dude, Tribe Called Quests. You know, uh, I, I've... I like some old school hip hop. Not that <laughs> Bobby Brown in Ghostbusters 2 is old school hip hop. My apologies to the old school hip hop community. But you know, I mean it's nerd hip it's one of the first it's the one of the original nerd hip hops and now there's a whole nerdcore uh nerd rap, you know, that, that happens now. And if you think about it, Bobby Brown kinda started it with the Ghostbusters 2 rap because it was a nerdy rap. <laughs> I saw the video. I was like, "What is this?" <laughs> that was awesome. Though. I don't know. I just do stuff. Poor Jessica. She just has to suffer me all the time. Yeah. <laughs> um, speaking of the videos, though, um, I saw uh, the the death battle between Iron Man and Lex. <laughs> right. Yeah, that was awesome. So, yeah. What was that like? Yeah, you know, uh, Marissa Lenti sent out uh, uh, an audition notice, and I never know what's for real and what's not. And I had never really heard of Death Battle, and I was like, let me look it up, and look it up, and I'm like, holy crap, millions of views. I'm like, yeah, I want to do that. So it's this <laughs> new thing that, like, you can, um, you know, like, uh, uh, sure, I'll contribute my voice to that and, and get... Uh, you know, and I got paid. I went into the studio and did it, and they, they pay you just like a real actor. But it started as this YouTube thing, and, and that's the new economy, man. That's the new way, yeah. you know, podcasting, video podcasting, stuff on YouTube. Like, there's a new uh, way to reach your audience, and it's just, you know, promote what you love 100% and share it with the world, and eventually it becomes your job. But yeah, I also got to be Tony Stark, which was bad to the bone. I was about to say, you got to be Tony Stark. That was awesome. <laughs> and you won. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Of course, I had to win. <laughs> so what what type of movies do you like? Um, is there like action flicks or are you just kind of more of a laid back type, just dramas, you know, things like that? Pro probably the, the like Snowpiercer is the one of the last movies that really impressed me deeply where I was like, I was not expecting this to be as good as it was. Um, I like all types of movies. It just has to be a good movie. Uh, I like any Coen Brothers film. Like, if it's... If you told me, like, you have to pick a film you have to watch, it would probably be a Coen Brothers film. They're always incredibly well-directed and well-written and well-acted uh, without a lot of, like, you know, uh, catering to the lowest common den denominator. They're really focused on, like, you have to think when you're in, in the movie and you have to think about the characters, and I like that. I think it's important to 
to engage your audience's intellect when you're uh, making art. You excited about the new Star Wars film? Uh, yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, um, I think it's going to be amazing, more than likely. Um, it certainly <laughs> has the bar set incredibly low. So all it has to do is be better than the prequels, and it'll, you know, be considered amazing. So I can um, see you voicing a character from Star Wars, so. <laughs> oh, yeah, I would love to. I would love to. Man, I would love to be in. You know, there's a new Star Trek series in the works, a, a TV series, and I really want to see if I can get uh, an audition for a character on that. I think it would be a good crossover for them to engage the Star Trek Continues audience by, uh, you know, Possibly entertaining because I don't know if they have a ship's doctor. I could totally be the doctor on the new Star. <laughs> yeah, I was reading about that. Is that supposed to be like an old series, like like based off of the old series, or is that going to be something completely? Uh, I think it's completely new. It says new alien worlds, new alien species. So nobody knows what it is yet, but uh, I'm sure it'll be great. So I mean, like, so if given the opportunity uh, to play any character that you want, who would you choose? Uh, any character ever? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> um, yeah, I could totally command a, a, a starship. I could be a captain. I would do that <laughs> for a long time. I would also play uh, any like awesome bad guy. I, I like playing bad guys. I'm pretty good at uh, getting in touch with the darker side of why people think they're right. Uh, which is the sort of essence of bad guyness, um, or pulling off a dick like Andrew Seventeen? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I just, I just like to be working. It doesn't really matter to me what what character it is, so long as I'm still acting. That's all that really concerns me. Well, we're gonna kind of start winding this down. Is there anything you want to add before we try to close out this episode? Um, I don't know. Here's a dog barking. Ruff, 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 ruff. <laughs> It's like a shadow puppet. It's a meat puppet. It's a meat shadow because there's no shadow. So uh, that's all I got. I'm getting kind of towards the end of my energy. So. <laughs> Would you like to plug yourself? Do you have like, websites or anything you'd like people yeah, to Yeah, you know, I'm on Facebook and Twitter. I'm Chuck underscore Huber on the Twitter. You, you, you will see me tweet things, uh, mostly through Instagram, because I will Instagram something and then post it to my Twitter. Although I'm becoming, I'm becoming more engaged in Twitter, because it's really, it's really this interesting way to be connected to lots of different people. For instance, there was a guy who I signed an autograph for, and his name was Philosopher, but the back end was C-Y-P-H-E-R. And then I saw a dude named Philosopher um, was following me on Twitter, and this dude had lost his picture of me, and someone had brought his Hiei picture that I had signed. Someone had brought it back to me. And so because I knew him on Twitter, I was like, hey, you lost your Hiei autograph, and so now I'm sending him a new one. It was like, so Twitter can connect you. And, like, if you want to, you can shout out to a super famous person, and they might respond. Like, it's kind of a uh, an interesting way of, of uh, it's sort of an open source uh uh, public relations uh, tools so that you can be connected <laughs> to everyone. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. Whenever we tweet like somebody famous or whatnot and they happen to reply back, I get a little, just a little excited. Yeah, <laughs> sure. sure <laughs> they sure. talk to us. <laughs> oh my God, we exist. <laughs> 
Well, Chuck, I, I really appreciate you joining us today. Thank you so much for taking the time to, to sit down with us and just kind of talk a little bit about your career and what, what you do. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on. Oh, hi, Android 17. Good to see you. <laughs> Marcus is really amazing Houston. Really <laughs> proud of that print he is. Oh, nice. Very good, very good. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of the Toddcast. I would like to thank our guest, Chuck Huber, for joining us on this episode. Stay tuned to thetempleofgeek.com for the next all-new episode. And as always, thanks for listening. Please follow us on Twitter at Temple of Geek. Follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash templeofgeek. And remember to visit thetempleofgeek.com, your one stop for all things geek. Goodbye. This will conclude our transmission.